It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. you got some interesting people on the walls. Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Thanks as always for making your way here Checking out the series Of course, uh, please do hit that subscribe button So you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at Spotify and Apple Podcasts, at NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, Recent episodes, in fact, have included my interviews with Lucinda Williams, Nick Hexum of 311, uh, Pearl Jam, uh, but well, two from Pearl Jam, one with Jeff Amen and one with Stone Gossard. We had Louise Post of Ruka Salt. Uh, we had uh, Jason Scott Lee, the actor, the cast of the show Outlander, Esty Hyam from Hyam, Kara Jackson, the band Daughter. We talked Extraction 2 with Goshifte Farahani and, uh, and director Sam Hargrave. Also had uh, Josh Hami of Queens of the Stone Age, Dave Davies of The Kinks, The Band Inhaler, and country star Carly Pierce. Those are just recent episodes that you can find on the Kyle Meredith With podcast. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, the legendary Ian Hunter. Going to be talking with the uh, the Montahoople singer about his new record called Defiance Part 1. It's the first in a two-part guest-heavy series. Uh, Ian's going to tell us about starting the album during COVID and remotely involving artists such as Slash and Billy Gibbons, since his own band wasn't able to be in the studio together, of course. Uh, And we'll discuss how age and ageism play into being a rock musician. He'll talk about getting better at his craft as he gets older and looking back to his school days and his relationship with his father for inspiration in the songs. Ian's also going to go on to talk about working with Jeff Beck and Taylor Hawkins, both, of course, who have since passed away, having Jeff Tweedy on guitar on the record, and which guests we can expect on Defiance Part 2. So let's get into it and talk Defiance Part 1. It's Kyle Meredith with Ian Hunter. Good morning. Good morning to you. And uh, seriously, uh, let, let me throw some compliments at you at first because because I've been a fan for a very long time. And each record, you know, 
uh, as good as the last one. I, I am absolutely loving this part one of Defiance and everything that's a part of it. Uh, what a great rock and roll record. Oh, thanks. Thanks for more of this. <laughs> well, that's, you know, the easy the easy question here at the beginning, and I'm sure is always the question, it's part one. And it's it's guest heavy. And it's it's not a concept record, but there seems to be a concept in play. And, and maybe that's where we can start. What what um wh- where does this album start? What was the idea behind it? COVID. Yeah, the usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I came off the road in June 19 and uh I woke up with tinnitus and COVID around that, you know, around that fall. And so nothing much was going on. So to my mind, you either get depressed and uh, mope, or you do, you know, you write songs. That's what I do for a living. So I went downstairs, and I got lucky, you know, because um, I'm not one of those that can write like a mathematician. It sort of comes, and I just had a jag there of about 21 songs. Uh, I guess it must have been maybe a year, something like that. So that turned into Defiance Part One and Defiance Part Two, and. Uh, my band couldn't do it because of COVID. But then uh, my manager and uh, Ross Halfin, who was a photographer, said to me, well, you know, there's other people that got studios. And uh, and it sort of went from there, you know. Ross said that uh, Slash was interested and then it was Billy Gibbons and then it was, and he just kept going. So I kept writing. <laughs> I mean, you've got those kind of people saying, I'll play with you. Why wouldn't you? That's that's well, incredible. Well, yeah, you know, in itself, it's inspiration in itself, you know. So you just carry on. So that, but the songs still stand on their own. I mean, this is fun. It's fun hearing all these people. It's fun seeing the guest, the track list, and the guests on it. But but how do you not let the guest list overpower the song? If that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, I'm the root of it. It came out of my basement, which we are actually in now. Um, Andy York, my co-producer, you know, and a piano and a drum machine and a demos that turn into the real thing, you know, because you have stems now that you can send to people. And um, I didn't think too much in the early, I mean, like you, you know, I mean, is this going to work, you know, because uh, it's back to front. Um, I did that with One Spin Twice Shy. That was back to front. The drums went on last, that kind of, so I know it can work. Unfortunately, with the quality of the people that got involved in this. I mean, it worked. I was, I was lucky. Well, you, you used that uh, situation of the best. Not everybody used COVID like we, like I thought I would. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to have some real time off here. This is my time to really dig into something and be better. I mean, I did a lot of these, but otherwise I watched a lot of TV too. So I didn't come up with. <laughs> same here, same here, you know. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution 
to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Ian Hunter. So with the songs, uh, and we'll get to some of the guests a little bit later because I really want to dig into some of these tracks here. Obviously, it does feel like there's a mission statement on here. Maybe if it arrived, as you said, in a lucky bit of inspiration or what, but the, the track, This Is What I'm Here For. That's last track on the record, and it's deliberate because it's kind of old-fashioned, you know. It's a rocker. <laughs> and uh, this is what I'm here for. You know, I thought that's that's a nice title, you know. And uh, that's definitely last track. Definitely last track, you know. Good, it's okay. But yeah, it's great. I think it's great. But but do you see that, you know, because of what you're talking about in the song, like, does it come to stand for more than just the song? I guess the project. Well, there's always that kind of ageism factor involved, you know, as you get older, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of disturbing. So I think that's probably an answer in in its own way to that because it's silly you know i mean if you you've either got you're, you're either doing it good or you're doing it bad you know and it doesn't matter what age you are you know and i've done it bad <laughs> at different ages so uh yeah i mean i don't see that it comes into play so i guess that's my answer you know that particular song yeah it's always interesting too really right it's because i i think not just because of arts and obviously i'm saying this from perspective not perspective i'm saying per perception you know I'm, I'm in my 40s so i i've you know it's only what it looks like to me from the outside there but but because you're a public figure like if there are some jobs no matter how old you are nobody's going to knock on your door every week and be like so you're going to be hanging it up soon you know it's like there's something about this that and this is the like as we always say you're not digging ditches you know no. like like why why is that question always like what do we expect that you hit a certain age and like well you can't write a song anymore well i always go back to the 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 kind of like when you were 16 you're a lousy plumber when you're 65 you're pretty good 
<laughs> you would hope to be pretty good anyway. <laughs> yeah, you aspire. You know, I mean, people do get better at things. Uh, but songs are different because songs either come or they don't come. I read somewhere recently, somebody said it's like spirits are on the other side of the wall and they just sling them over and your antenna has to be up in order to catch one. And I, there's some kind of relevance in that because um, sometimes you get a song that's country or uh, really, really pop and it's not yours. It belongs to the guy next door that... You know, the, the aim was a miss. And so, uh, yeah, songwriting, it doesn't really apply to age. You know, it comes or it doesn't, you know. Well, then, as you've gotten more tools in your tool belts, yeah. I mean, part of that's right. You know, you can have a, you can have anything, a bit of inspiration, but if you don't have the language, if you don't have the tools, then you might not know what to do with it. You know, can you pinpoint what makes you a better songwriter now than 20, 30, 40 years ago? Oh, it's better equipment for a start, you know. <laughs> you start you start with a bow and arrow, uh, and then a 30 bob piano, you know, with half the keys missing, you know, when you're skin when you're young. I was in factories coming home at night, uh, annoying the wife intensely, because you know, you work all day and then you're playing, you know, in the evenings. And then, you know, nowadays, you know, there's a drum kit over there, there's a keyboards over there, you know, there's guitars over there. It's easier from that aspect. Uh, what's not so easy is, uh, you know, you've mined a lot of lyrics and that can get that can get pretty hard, you know, because you're hard on yourself with lyrics. Plus, you've written a lot of them, you know, three or four hundred. You got to try not to get in your own way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can I'll I'll come up with I've got something now that's really, really good. The only trouble is half of it's on a record I did, you know, <laughs> a couple of years back. and I really want to do this, but I know what I'll get if I do it. Yeah. I'm going to get scorched if I do that. See, I don't know. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, a friend and I were talking about the band U2 recently. Yes. And and U2, it's sort of a similar thing. They've had so many different sounds. And at some point, as fans who've been on the adventure with them, like, you go where you want to go, we're going to be there. And I say that about a lot of bands, not just them. Uh, I do I do like U2 quite a bit. But if they were to come out and say, you know what, we want to write a song and it just so happens to sound like With or Without You or or whatever, Pride in the Name of Love, I'd be like, great, let's revisit that. You know, I, I think as a fan, again, I think this is the thing, like what an artist might put on themselves, the weight that we're talking about, I think, with you uh, versus what the fans, because you, there's that whole thing like, oh, sometimes I kind of wish they would sound like they used to. I know. You just got to do what comes naturally. Uh, you, you can't really, in my case anyway, I don't think about fans. I just, it, if I like the song, you know, I go with it. And, and some people like it and some people don't. Most people have never heard it. <laughs> but if you're lucky enough, you still get to keep hanging around and you still get to play the game. So there's always another song after that. I make a living. Yeah, you do. You seem like you do. And maybe that's, uh, I'll play into the title, In Defiance. Uh, here's the obvious question. In Defiance of what? And maybe we've already covered the ground a little bit, but I'd like to hear that specifically. I think it was basically school. You know, I went to a school. In, in, in England, you pass your 11 plus. It means you're intelligent. If you fail, it means, you know, you're a dickhead. So I passed quite by chance. And um, I went to this school and all the teachers were lousy. And I knew they were all lousy because there was one guy there that was really good and I only got him for one term and he was great but the rest of the, the teachers were lousy I never learned anything at school so basically that's what it's about and that's what the video is about looking back I mean what a I don't know, 
what a great fuck off <laughs> that that gets to play. I mean, it's, it's reverse psychology, that old bit. What were the parents and the school in those days? You know, you're talking 40s, early 50s. You know, it was just not heard of. I mean, it was not right. It was, um, you know, and I lived in a Midland town, which is kind of like Mississippi. Uh, it's out of the way. It's nowhere near ports where you hear it in, you know, in, you know, stuff coming in from Memphis and stuff, you know, living in the middle of nowhere. So it's it's kind of difficult because nobody knows what you're on about. And, and when you do do it, they don't particularly like it. <laughs> <laughs> but still the music found you somehow. I mean, you know, from, from our side, we hear the rock and roll stories. And a lot of times when we hear about artists who, who came from England, it is the ports, you know, it's always that story. How did it make it to you? Because there was it somebody? Was it was it a record shop? What was it? It was Radio Luxembourg. What happened was, yeah, um, late fifties, I think, early sixties. Radio Luxembourg. It started coming into England, and it would fade, and it would come loud, and it would fade, and it was most annoying because um, you know it usually faded during the good bits, and there was a song called "A Whole Lot of Shaking," Jerry Lee Lewis, and that was it. I mean, England was not an exciting place. Shrewsbury was definitely not an exciting place just after the war, you know. And uh, I guess we were all looking for that. We were all looking for that. We were all going to see American movies, you know. That was exciting. L.A. sounded like, you know, paradise because England was grey and dismal and, uh, you know, the chaps had just come back from the war and they were bored out of their minds, you know. And the ladies, the girls, you know, now they didn't want them to work and they have been working through the war effort. So it's a pretty dismal place. So when you were Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard, you know, those kind of people, and Gene Vincent, it was like, uh, whoa, that's where I want to be, you know. It's always fun that interesting how people over here will romanticize that era of England because we weren't there and vice versa. Well, yeah, a little later, you you started romanticizing in the 60s, you know. I was like Pat's Domino, you know, Elvis, 50s, you know. That's it, it feels like there's some DNA of that in this record. I'm sure that DNA is in all of your music too. I mean, why wouldn't it be? But like, don't tread on me. When I heard that song, like those chords, I don't know, almost R and B ish, you know, that classic R and B. Is, is am I right about that? It's like, is it I guess what I'm asking is like, do you find that there's a comfort spot um with any genre or era for you when you're songwriting? Do you know I sit down at the piano and I and I'm not good. I'm still in, I'm still finding stuff. I'm self-taught. And that song in particular, you know, it was like, I don't know if I can... Andy came over and I'm thinking, I don't know if I can play this. <laughs> it was just this chord sequence I really liked, you know. And uh, I don't know what it is. People can call it anything they want, you know. Todd gets hold of it and it turns, it turns into Todd. You know, everything Todd touches, you know. He's fantastic. I mean, I couldn't believe what he did, you know. And... Uh, I really don't know what genre you'd put that in. It's just uh, what it is. It's a great song. That's, uh, that's a, <laughs> if that's a genre, it's a great song. And we'll be right back, right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Ian Hunter. No Hard Feelings, that's another one that really stood out to me. It sounds very personal. I, I, don't, I don't know what it's about, but I, you know, what did it take to write that song? It came out of... Um, sitting there playing and uh, I want to make a man out of you. I want to make a man out of you. And I thought that sounds great on the, you know, the way it's sung. I want to make a man out of you, you know. And uh, it sort of developed from there into uh, 
the rows I used to have with my dad all those years ago. And um, that's what it's all about, really. My dad and I, I've written a couple about him because he was great, but we were opposites, polar opposites, you know. I was the slob, and he was the guy, you know, like MI5, you know, the police force, or the army, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you had to get out. Uh, 16, <laughs> go on. No, that was my assumption. It, when I heard it, I was like, this sounds like it would be about his dad. And maybe it's, you know, obvious. It takes me a, a few minutes with lyrics always. But uh, oh, yeah, he was Scottish. He wasn't English. There's a big difference. There you are. There when you are. When your dad's Scottish. You know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I mean, revisiting a song like that, maybe a song is just a song and it comes and it goes, but... But when it's something a little bit more personal, do you find that there that it offers anything like closure or or something like that? No, really, it's an ongoing thing. You know, I've written about my dad before. You know, um, it's it's an interesting subject to me. How could we be so opposite? You know, my family is composed of opposites. Um, you know, uh, where did this all come from? But then, you know. Uh, to get to get it back with Jeff Beck on it was was something really special because he's he's playing it, he's just jamming it. He's playing it, you know. And it was such an honor to you know Johnny Johnny Depp got him got him involved because they were working together at the time, and so that added a whole other dimension to it. You know, it's fabulous. Do you give notes or do you just say do with this what you like? You don't give notes to Jeff Beck, right? You just no. say here's the song, you do what you want. <laughs> no, I met Jeff. He, it was a bit spiky, uh, you know. I mean, I mean, I'm probably the best. I worked with Mick Ronson many years, and and that, um, he was mix you know, mix idol. But um, to hear him on your record, I mean, they, you know, seventies guys. I was like, like in Mother Hooper, that was a seventies band. We we sort of looked on the sixties guys like gods, you know, at the time, you know. So to have Jeff on your album was a, a big big deal, you know. <laughs> And I'm listening to the song he's doing, you know, it's it's perfect. You know, having someone like Jeff Beck, it's interesting, again, when we talk about this group of guests, because I assume someone like Jeff, like you hold in high regards, and maybe you hold everybody in high regards, but there's a lot of people I know on here that hold you in high regards as well. You know, and you've got like Billy Bob Thornton. I know he's a big fan of yours. I, you know, Taylor, I know he was a huge fan of yours. <laughs> I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's what is, you know, what is the, I don't know. I don't know if this is a question that can even be answered, but there's maybe some surrealness somewhere in there, just knowing that that sort of feeling of kinship exists one way or the other. Does it? I don't know. I mean, I've talked to these guys since, you know, enduring, and there was nothing, you know, you, Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, I know him as a as a film star, you know, and he's done some incredible stuff. So when you're talking to him, he's you're kind of a little in awe, you know. But then it turns out he's like your next door neighbor. So I guess there's a kinship there. Yeah, I I haven't had any real upsets with anybody. You know, it's been it's been great. You know, Taylor was Taylor's like Joe Elliott. You know, he's just he knows everything he knows everything since since god knows when every track every album i've never known such enthusiasm you know you know for any particular genre he loved yes that's that's where, that's where we argue true rock and roll hearts that guy had yeah just an absolutely true rock and roll hearts and for him to leave like that you know it was shocking absolutely shocking i mean it does it doesn't put it in a different context, but having Taylor and, and Jeff Beck both on there at once, I mean, it's 
I guess bittersweet is the right word. It was weird. It was weird because I didn't really know either of them. I mean, I got to t- to talk to them on the phone and stuff like that. And I, I went out with Jeff and John, but I hardly knew them, you know. So it's it uh, such a compliment to have people like that on your record. Everybody on this record, you know, just just for once. I did it once before, but it was more the jazz orientated, you know. I, and it's, you know, Mike Campbell, I'm a huge I mean, who's not? Who's not a fan of you know the Heartbreakers? Well, it makes everything better, you know. He's like Ronson. He's just you got to you know you get these things back. You play them, and you, you, you it's like with Ringo. You, you just big smile on your face. It's fun because I'm a fan. You know, I always was a fan. Did um you know obviously Tom speaking of Petty, you know he's not around for you know to to be a part of this. Although I imagine he would have uh, had he been around. Did you all have, you all came from such similar backgrounds and everything. I wondered about that. And musically too, did, did, did you know Tom? Was there a friendship there? No, no. I, I What happened with Mike, I met him at the Village Record in LA with Ben Mon- And they both said, you know, if you're ever doing anything, you know, we're up for it, you know. And I just always remembered that. And, uh, ben Mon's on the, on the second one, part two, yeah. And uh, I took him up on it. I did want to hear, I was looking at the track list here. I Hate Hate, that's another very powerful moment on there. And it got two versions. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of them also features uh, Jeff Tweedy. Uh, how did that happen? Why, why is there two versions? And 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 really, I guess the other question is, did anything specific inspire that song? Well, it's very direct. I think it explains itself. It's. I think the simpler the lyric, the better. You know, Lennon was a master of that, you know. So you're always aspiring to that kind of thing. Um, that, that song... Lyrically, it's probably one of the best I ever wrote because it's just so simple. You know, I ain't hate, it's out of date. That applies, you know, to everything without saying anybody. <laughs> what happened was Jeff's sung on stuff of mine before. And so we sent it to him thinking he would be singing on it. He'd be singing I hate hate vocally with me because I love his voice. He's got a very special voice. And back it comes covered in guitar, you know, and he didn't sing on it. He played guitar. And I'm like, because I wanted the piano version on the record because it's all guitar on the record. This is the only one that's piano, you know. And so we've gone through this thing and I hope Jeff's not mad at me, you know. But the other, it's on the CD, you know, it's like the additional track. But I just wanted one piano track on there, a la Jerry Lee, you know. And he didn't sing on it, he played on it. (laughs) And he played great on it, that's the problem. (laughs) I like both the versions too. And it's fun to hear, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So there is a part two, and you've been talking about it a little bit, and I know you've been talking about it in other interviews. Is I guess what's the difference? Is it just more songs, and this is the further continuation, or did you try to separate them musically? I mean, did any thought go into that part of it? A bit of both, you know. Well, this is bits on the part one, you know what I mean? We'll worry about part two when we get to it. Um, part two is a little heavier, a little more political, uh, maybe a little... Uh, more cynical, I suppose. It sort of <laughs> crept up on us over the years. Uh, what with the political situation and all the rest. I mean, I tried deliberately with the first one to keep it cheerful, keep it up, because people were anxious anyway, you know. And uh, that wasn't an easy time for a lot of people. So uh, the second one, I'm slipping a bit. <laughs> you, when you bring out the teeth, they're they're pretty sharp. I always appreciate that. <laughs> well, it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit more that way. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is debatable. And and more guests. I know I, I was just talking with Phil Collin. I know because you had Joe on the first one and Phil on the second one. You really like to separate the uh, the bands, right? Oh, no, Joe's on the second one as well. Oh, is he on there too? Okay, Phil didn't yeah. tell me that part. 
looking forward to that. Uh, Phil, it, he was, um, I don't know, this is sort of lightly revolving outside of your world, but he told me he was bringing back his uh, his Mick Ronson uh, tribute act, the Cybernauts, that they were going to do more of that. Oh, really? Yeah. And that yeah. He's going to be getting some guests on that. So, uh, you know, if he gives you a call, is, would you step up for that? No. Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anything to do with Ronson. You know, Phil's lovely. Phil's, you know, yeah. Favor Joe's on like, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that. But I've been around with Joe for a long, long time, you know. I know that relationship goes deep. Who else is on there, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, whatever comes off the top of your head. Well, Bernmont's on it, and a uh, few that are on the first one as well. Um, Cheap Trick, doing a couple. Um, and Lucinda Williams is doing a couple. You know. I just talked to her yesterday. You did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we haven't got to the point of disseminating and weeding because it's, it's a duet kind of thing. You know? But, yeah, we've got it in. You know, we have to... My co producer Andy York is with Mellencamp and Mellencamp's out doing I don't know, 78 dates or something you know, so I won't see Andy till late summer, so that's when we get into putting two together, yeah 60% Well I can't wait to hear that, uh, I love part one it's been so much fun to hear this hear this thank record, you. you really knocked it out Ian, thank you so much, seriously thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it ah, You're very welcome and my thanks to Ian Hunter. The new record is called Defiance Part 1. Looking forward to Part 2. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Again, I do hope you hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. You do that, I'll give you three new interviews every single week. That's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you can keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts. At Spotify, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcast from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to WFPK.org, as I just mentioned. Uh, that's where I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. We got uh, new songs. We got lots of old favorites. There's music news. There's anniversary spins, bonus interviews as well. Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. A recent show had the music of Marshall Crenshaw and the Icicle Works, uh, Tony, Tony, Tony and the Verve, Jane's Addiction, the Flaming Lips, Billy Bragg, Wilco, Patty Griffin, Guster, Liz Fair, the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Richard Thompson, Ricky Lee Jones, and a whole lot more. That's just a recent episode and the music that you can hear every weekday, 6 p.m. at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also, of course, find me on the, uh, the old social media spots as well. That includes Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. All three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Consequence Podcast Network.
Oh, I thought you were great. I enjoyed it. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media.